Hello. That's so adorable. I told you I did it! I got it! I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration. The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people. There you go. Go there in the end. Welcome to Delightful Dungeon Diving, a coffee-slash-tea-table podcast dedicated to talking TTRPGs and character development. I'm going to kick it over to Emily. Why, thank you very much. And as you're expecting, we will have a bewitching beverage for you. And today's bewitching beverage is a large glass of red wine. Oh, yes. All right, starting early. The drink of the gods. Sweet Bacchus would have many, many glasses and jugs of wine, and I hope you will enjoy one today, if you're old enough, while you're listening to this wonderful podcast. Now, let's get into what this is all about. I love this. This is a day drinkers podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> we have found our niche. A little, a little stronger than the uh, the usual coffee and tea. I was going to say, we haven't done a, an alcohol yet, so I was like, you know what? We haven't, yeah. <laughs> And now for our scene called Sideways Farts. <laughs> Enjoy. I didn't read the title. <laughs> uh. Oakman has spent a life searching, a firm believer in the divine masked. Oakman lives by the idea that the gods walk amongst us, disguised and existing, undetected by mortals. Oakman has at long last achieved vindication in the discovery of a god. But was the discovery as rewarding as the journey? Waterford has demons. A veteran of wars they had no belief in, Waterford has bounced from job to job until they were hired by Oakman for their special skill set in tracking powerful arcane users. Waterford has just encountered the first thing in a very long time to reawaken their spirit. Dast is an incorrigible god of humor, creativity, and magic. Dast has a sincere and absolute love of mortal being. And as adept and powerful as she is in magic, the actual origins and mechanisms of the gods, mortals, and magic are beyond her concerns. (sighs) Joden is a god of war, conquest, and exploration. As fearsome as Joden is, though, there is a deep well of sadness and resentment that speaks to an unhappiness with their divine domain. In the quiet corner of an alleyway cafe, Oakman and Waterford have tracked down and interrupted the conversation between two disguised gods. Oh, so you two are the ones who have hounded us for weeks? Weeks? No, years. Long, long years. How can this be? Oakman, I thought you were a fool for so long. Ah, yes, this whole situation seems familiar. You would be the doubting friend. Hired mercenary, actually. Oh, that's nice. And I'd appreciate it if your friend put that dagger back in its sheath. <laughs> a brave one. Been a while since I killed a mortal, so... Brazen. Forgot how sweet boldness smells. Mortal? Then, then you are also... Oh, Big Joe here? Yep, totally a god. Joden, remember your manners, yeah? If they deserve manners, they'll get manners. If they deserve a blade, well... 
Please, we didn't come here to fight. But I did. And seeing as dust won't oblige, you'll do. Okay, okay, this has been a fart that comes out sideways, but there's no reason it has to end in gutting and decapitations. Although you should take what Joden says as a compliment. You'll do. Do you have any idea how picky this one is about who challenges him? Noted. I apologize. It's just... You're, you're real. You're both real. Oh, there's a lot more of us that are real. I must say, I'm mighty impressed you found us, although you did interrupt. Oh, right. What, what did you mean by you came here looking for a fight? Oh, well, Joden and I were having a lively discussion about the merits of divine intervention. Intervention? In what? The war, of course. What war? Wait, do, do you mean to say you could intervene in war? Yes, I could. But so far, have not. Oh, this war hasn't happened yet. It's coming in one way or a thousand others, but it's coming. And you were debating whether or not to fight in this war. Just so. This war, it'll be unlike anything to have ever ravaged itself across this planet. The sheer amount of lives at stake. You've never seemed to care much for wartime casualties. Have I not? Have I not diverted a spear thrust for your throat? Have I not turned the heads of those searching for your lost, broken body so they could just faintly detect your gasps? You bastard. You utter disgraceful... The bastard, yes. That's what they call me, isn't it? The name they cry and scream and roar as they plunge blade first into fury, into conquest and dominance. My name, my essence summoned, tethered and bound to the brutality of mortals. Please, Ford, peace. They will answer, Oak. They will answer for their indifference. Indifference? Do you have any idea how precious your bright souls are to us? We would be but stardust without you. How? How are gods? We exist because of you, because of your belief in us, because of the qualities you assign to us. You shape us with your stories and parables and myths. How can this be, though? Did, did you not create us? Do you not hear our prayers and answer in storms, omens, the cries of birds and foxes? Yes, we created you, but we don't know how we were created. And when we left you unattended, when we forgot about our little creations... <sighs> we began to fade. So you intervened. We acted. I inspired you to leave your caves and empty shores and sail the seas. And that inspiration brought us subjugating others, plundering their lands. Yeah, my name was twisted to justify that purpose. So it is us mortals that are wicked. You are unblemished and we are the original corruption. Oh, shit a brick and lay it over the others, kid. No, we're not perfect hell. We're just as fragmented and fractured as you are, if not worse. What we're trying to say is we don't really know. 
We know that we created mortals, and then we began to fade out of existence. But then we acted upon you, and you began whispering our names, and our souls solidified once more. We exist to serve, and have yet to find the full parameters of this arrangement. So you can't explain to my friend here the meaning of life? Afraid not. Hell, I'm not even entirely sure about my own farts. Do I need to fart, or is it just because I find them funny and subconsciously I manifest the- Dust. The war. Oh, right, right! There's a war coming, and we are doing our best to prevent it. I have searched for so long, and now, having found you, I almost wish the mystery remained. It is always better to know a thing than be conquered by fear of the unknown. I'm going to order some more coffee. I reckon we will be here a bit longer. Yay. Well done, Hannah. You did really, really good. <laughs> that, that, that was fun. That's a great character for you. <laughs> and end scene. I hope you all enjoyed that. Over to Ibrahim now for a little bit about himself. Hello, my name is Ibrahim. My pronouns are he, him. Odd fact about me, I saw the ocean from the ground for the first time oh, uh, a couple weeks ago oh, uh, when I was in San Diego. Awesome. I think we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? About yeah, yeah that I hadn't seen it, and uh, now I have. Nice. Returning to an earlier odd fact and checking that off. I love that. Fantastic. That's very good. Very good. Um, Over back to you, Emily. Yeah, that's right. I'm stealing the spotlight once again. Um, <laughs> I am Emily and my pronouns are she, her. And an odd fact about me, uh, I had to think about this one and I thought, why not kind of theme it? Maybe sort of theology, mythology, afterlife. Um, and I thought I would tell you about the time I had run in with a ghost. Um, so... Settle in, kiddies. Uh, <laughs> this was when I was working in. Um, so I'm. I live in England at the moment, and this is when I was working in a 400-year-old mansion. Um, way back when, and uh, I was there for about five years, and we would do ghost tours because it was supposed to be a very haunted mansion. And one evening, I was locking up the mansion on my own after one of these tours had left for the night. I had escorted everyone off the grounds and went back in to do my very spooky duty of turning off all the lights and leaving. Um, and as I was going down the great staircase, um, I was turning off some fake candles. I thought I saw something out the corner of my eye. I thought, no, 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 no. I've just heard a load of ghost stories. It's nothing. It's fine. Kept going down got to the next window ledge, turning off a couple more candles, closing the shutters. And in my ear, I hear, hello. <laughs> and the, the it was so close, I felt the breath on my cheek. I, did, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So um, as a true Brit, I did the only thing I could think of. And I said, no, thank you. And quickly, <laughs> the building. <laughs> um... And that is uh, a little fun fact about me of when I I told a ghost, no, thank you, and, mm -hmm. and quickly left. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. It is. I thought, be polite, you know. <laughs> be polite and walk away at a brisk pace. 
Well, I, I, I don't have any ghost stories uh, that come to mind, <laughs> but uh, I'm Nick. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, I will follow up with Ibrahim, checking some things off the list. Um, a few years ago, I got to take, uh, I got to accomplish a lifelong goal. And uh, my wife, Christina, and I both finished an Ironman uh, in 20, uh, 2019 in Cozumel, Mexico. Oh, congratulations. One of the greatest... Uh, the greatest uh, uh, achievements are just moments of my life crossing that line. Yeah, and well swimming done. in the ocean was pretty awesome too. So nice, 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 nice. Very cool. Well, I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she/her. I don't have a particularly themed uh, fun fact this week. I guess uh, my first time traveling outside of my home country was when I was eight or nine years old and I went on a trip with my family to Norway and I saw the fjords and somebody thought that this little blonde eight-year-old also was Norwegian and tried to speak to me in Norwegian which was (laughs) very awkward for me and I saw a Viking exhibit and a movie about the northern lights and it was the summer so the sun never set Uh, and it was my first experience traveling abroad land in the midnight that's so cool i love that i think from all of our odd facts today and learning more about ourselves people can find it easy to see why we gravitated towards the world of tabletop role-playing games good point Mm -hmm. good point (laughs) yep all right so for our splendid snack today uh that would be our topic personified by some sort of snack baked good etc I'm choosing to share biscuits and honey. And like the wine that Emily chose, and like the scene that we've presented, this is, of course, a reference to our topic, cosmology and mythology in world building for TTRPGs. So my first question to all of you, in your games, do you tend to like having some kind of mythology or cosmology in your games, or do you tend to avoid uh, any kind of reference to that. So in most of my, most of my games I run are for kids. Right. And so it's always kind of a touchy or tricky subject to navigate. Um, and I learned that a lot teaching, uh, it generally it come, it does come up a lot because there are classes, especially if we're playing D and D fifth edition, you know, you have classes with clerics and, um, they get their powers typically from a deity, uh, I do love that there's like the Oath of the Ancients uh, for paladins and ways to tie it back to more ancestral worship. I feel I feel like uh, Wizards of the Coast, one of the very rare times they've 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 done a, a decent job ahead of time is that they have put a bunch of um, uh, different pathways for belief systems and where the power might come from, where divine power might come from. So I would say it does pop up in my games fairly often simply because of, uh, you know, game mechanics and character classes where they get their holy smites and uh, healing abilities from, things like that. That's uh, interesting. And I like as well how um, it lives... it leaves a little bit more interpretation into what people consider divine um, and what people can have a faith in. 
Um, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. people can have a huge amount of faith in themselves. Um, you could have a very kind of like self-righteous person who has a faith in their own abilities or a faith in someone they know or a thing to be true, like the earth, the elements. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, I mean, I had a character once who was so besotted with basically like a queen from where they came from that their faith came from a basically a, a reverence for her and doing things for her and in her name um so whether they consider themselves a deity or not someone may be worshiping you somewhere and i like to think about that for me um <laughs> I, I really like yeah. that because yeah. uh, I, I love the idea in in uh, D and D with kobolds, you know, having this worship of dragons, whether the mm -hmm. dragons want that worship or not. And, yeah, exactly. And, right. and there there's several little, you know, several other monsters in D and D that have that same mechanism. But I do like that. What what you what you give power to? Yeah, mm. exactly. And as we said in the scene as well, it's like, you know, people's faith gives power to gods. And I, I quite like that idea. Um, I absolutely love that idea. It, it mm -hmm. feels like it, it's one influence to me on my idea of cosmology really is the um, the American Gods book by uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. And that idea is very central to that mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And whether you're applying it to gods that have a basis in real world religions or if you're completely making something up yourself i think it's a very strong idea to have that kind of interplay and the scene actually reminded me of this um there is one thing to consider when it comes to how cosmology affects uh your game and this is specifically in the realm of fifth edition dungeons and dragons uh, but there's talk a lot about what's the difference between a cleric and a warlock um, are they oh, yeah. really more or less the same thing, just a different lens on it? Um, there's two sides of the same coin. And when you have how your characters are interacting with the deities of your world and the cosmology of the, your world, what are the multiple sides of the coin you can go at that from in this, uh, you know, definitely more two-way relationship than some people you know, might think of? What is, if your character is a follower of a god, whether they're a sort of a paladin, a cleric, a warlock, what have you, or just somebody who is devout, what is their god getting from them and what are they getting from their god? I think an interesting way of thinking about warlocks versus clerics and what the difference is, is there. Um, in my opinion, it's whether they know their god to truly exist. Mm. So oh, a warlock okay. knows that their deity exists. It's like they've mm. seen them, they've made a bargain with them. They well, the patron might them. not be a god also, technically. Yeah, patron. Um, yes, good, way, uh, good word. That's the word I was thinking of. Um, whereas a cleric has to have, well, has to. Faith. I feel like it's more that blind faith. It's like they believe yeah. that there is a god up there somewhere, whether they've seen them or not. Um, and I think that's a really good distinction of like faith. Um, and actually it kind of brought uh -huh. up a question as well that I had, um, and I put towards some other people that I spoke to about it is, do your people in your world know that those gods exist? Do, are they active? Do they present themselves or are they completely vacant and people just hope and believe and have faith that they're in there somewhere? Oh, that's a really important distinction. Mm. I think a lot of the time in my world, I do sort of have at least a, a, a cosmological explanation that exists in the world. And sometimes I don't have that set in stone because it's not 
always strictly necessary. I think that it's mm-hmm. okay for multiple different authority figures in the world to express different uh, views of cosmology, how the universe came to be, um, and also to have like different views as it comes to whether the gods are real, whether the gods are like an abstract force, or whether they're human-like, uh, as we're familiar with in the tradition of like Greek uh, gods, where they have very human desires and wills and do things uh, of their own volition. Um, and I think it's also okay to sort of mix and match. Um, there's no strict reason why you should have to have all of the gods in your world work the same way or all mm. of the just there's infinite ways for people to come to some sort of uh, understanding of their world. And I think it's okay to have uh, a couple of those ways appear in your game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had a, um, I had this, this one group of two kids who've been playing with me for a long time and they're both very good at world building. So I usually don't have to write much for the campaign because just what they come up, what their questions are generally helps me write. And one of them had a whole pantheon that she came up with for her character, nice. uh, who's a monk. And at first, like the, the, the greedy little kobold in me was like, no, it's my world. But then I realized like, no, wait, there's, there's totally room for whatever pantheon and it feeds into that idea of having many different faces for different gods because mm. you know the idea of gods having portfolios what they preside over and i think the easiest way for people in the real world to identify that is through like greek mythology and you know there's a god for this a god for that but i really love that idea of okay maybe we do kind of have faith in the same thing we just know it by a different name or face and one of my favorite scenes uh as a kid was from the 13th warrior there's a scene towards the end of that movie where the the muslim says to a parting viking friend like i'll pray for you i'll pray to god for you my friend and the viking answers back like i'm not like you i need many gods so i'll share it around sort of thing but they like could completely coexist with that idea and uh yeah i love i love that 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 idea of multiple mythologies all in the same global pantheon sort of thing yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like uh each um god or group of gods or pantheon have like their little remit it's like i have this this little this little part of the world is what we look after uh and where we have i suppose our power or our kind of like uh our worshippers and things like that and then you guys have that bit over there and there's just a, this whole kind of like crowd of people in the heavens just sort of <laughs> sitting yeah. up there cheering for their own teams it gives me a little bit of an idea of something that i would maybe want to try with a campaign of ask each player so long as they want to play a character that is religious of some way shape or form you know, ask the players, okay, I'm going to have you coming from all different parts of this world we're creating. Can you come up with your system of gods? And then the game master can take what the players come up with and say, all right, are these the same gods by a different name? Like how we might in the, in the real world, look at Roman versus Greek gods that are somewhat the same. You could argue that they're a different name for the same God. Um, are these gods that only operate in this region of the world 
what is the connection and how does the cosmology relate to itself, but have it all created by the players and you just are the director that meshes it together. Yeah. And, and how, um, a question to throw in there to the players, like how has one pantheon or one set of mythology or folklore influenced another mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. you know, our, our modern understandings of Norse mythology heavily influenced right. by Christianity mm-hmm. reaching Scandinavia mm-hmm. and right, like, you I... know, myths of Odin are very similar to Jesus sort of thing. Right. Well, and cause I think about, you know, the idea of world building for me, if you want to create a cosmology that can see if you, you know, you can do it on a very, basic level of this is the one cosmology of the like three to five gods that exist for this universe for this world and that's the pantheon and everybody believes in these people but you can have such a more rich world building experience if you throw that to your players and have them help you design each corner of the world or at least its cosmology yeah, I, I had a thought when Emily was saying having, you know, gods have each dom- like regions of the world. I love the idea of like a troublesome god be like double dipping and having a different persona to a different part of the world and be like, oh, crap, I forgot you guys know me as the music god. Sorry, I didn't mean to kill those 10 people. Forgot. Oh, I love that. <laughs> right. That's very good. It's I like think, why think, God uh, is vacant is just because they're chilling somewhere else for a bit. <laughs> yeah, Han- Hannah's dast could could pop up in different places of the world. <laughs> Perfect for a trickster god, honestly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. There's um, just uh, sort of generally on the topic of gods. There's a uh, interesting fact that I learned fairly recently. I don't uh, listen. Don't crucify me for this, but I don't watch Critical Role, so I was not aware that uh, they had brought over Saren Ray. Yes. From yeah, yeah. Pathfinder into Critical Role. Because um, they, um, they started playing Pathfinder before they did a stream. They had to right. uh, switch it over to Dungeons & Dragons, but they kept the same cosmology that they mm. used in their home game. Yeah. And it uh, when bringing Saren Ray over, there were some considerations that had to be made once they started uh, releasing... Uh, for-profit content that yes, featured that's why they renamed her. the character. Yeah, so there was there was just some uh, some jiggery-pokery that had to be done to make sure that they weren't using yes, the character you, of Sarah If Ray. you look at the books that they've come up, the more recent world-building books that they've come up with for Tal'Dorei, uh, they renamed, I think, all the gods uh, that exist yeah. in Matt's homebrew world so that they're not stepping on the toes. Obviously, they had to rename any of the Paizo gods almost immediately as soon as like they were done with campaign one, they realized, Oh, we need to do this. But um, for the more recent books, they've actually come up with their own names for all of them, even the ones that were inspired by uh, wizards content. And I think uh-huh. that's a good, that's a good tip you can take into your world building too, is um, using, using generalized names, not, not mm-hmm. specific, you know, proper noun names, for the gods, but having terms like in our scene, Jodan, at least too many people is known as the bastard and right. having mm-hmm. those sort of generalized, you can also have fun with that and change how they're known around the world. Yep. Um, yeah. And, 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 and Hannah, you mentioned too, like uh, you can have so much fun with this, with, with the, the interpretations of mm-hmm. Jodan is a God of war um, in the real world, uh, according to Greek and you know, Roman mythologies, you have Ares as the god of war in Greece, as well as the god of war in Rome as uh, Mars. Mars but yeah. Mars mm-hmm. is more about military 
warfare, about tactics and organized soldiering, whereas Ares was known more as wrathful and fury right. and bloodlust. And so you can have fun with those interpretations of your and gods also, between characters. Do you have different gods that embody similar traits? Like, again, going back to the Greek pantheon, Athena is also a god of war. Right. And, but it's a different mm-hmm. facet yeah. of war. Yeah. Yeah. You can get very specific with it. And I think that having your gods have sobriquets or epithets that they answer to mm-hmm. is a good way to sort of get in that headspace of like, okay, we have a god of fire, but is this god of fire the god of forest fires as well as the god of the hearth? Or are those two different gods? Right. Is there a god of like candlelit reading? Is there a god of like you can get uber specific. You can get uh, down into the nitty gritty of like what do people in this world find important Mm -hmm. and who do they turn to when they need help with those things? And then there can be a, a fun opportunity if your players get to meet these gods and what's the god's perspective on all this? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, yes, that's what they pray to me for. I don't really care about that, but that's what people associate me with. So fine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, and then there's also one thing we've had a lot of fun with in some of our campaigns that the table I play with is like, can gods screw up so badly that they're unseated? And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of one of our campaigns, half of our party became gods or demigods because the chaos and events of the world, like the the BBEG that we had to fight, all resulted in some of the gods going away and we had to take their places. So I have yeah. a former character that her retirement was looking over the font of all magic as a sort of demigod-like figure Ooh. and one of our party actually had to become the god of time. So if we go back <laughs> to that world again, we'll end up running into my friend Ryan's character, who is mm. now the god of time. Now that Kronos knows, is no more, Q is the god of time. And, <laughs> you know, especially if you're doing a consistent world that the effects of one campaign have on the next, yeah, and cool. your characters interact with the gods, how's that going to affect things for future games played in that same world? I like that. And please, y'all, if please take the opportunity. If you have a distinction, as Ibrahim mentioned, between, you know, gods of different fires, please, forest fires, have them manifest as a friendly grizzly bear with you know, a stern <laughs> yeah. countenance. Um, yeah. Smoky, our lord and savior. <laughs> uh, but and, and another thing I, I just also wanted to um, to bring up, this is not so specific to the mythology part of world building, but it it does come up here a lot to the point we were making about critical role and them having to change their names. If you are doing a streaming game, this is one area that you should definitely take care Mm -hmm. to avoid using copyrighted names or material. Um, You can take an inspiration from a a pan. You can take an inspiration from a pantheon in an existing media but definitely make sure that you make it your own and you change the names or you come up with a generic name as the folks at Critical Role have done to, you know, be able to continue on with their uh, streaming and now their, you know, cartoon and whatnot. Um, Obviously, a lot of us will not likely get quite that high heights of recognition, (laughs) but it's always better to be safe than sorry and not tread over uh, copyright. Yeah. Uh And 
you know, also keeping it, um, keeping it specific yet general. So, so having the, having the uh, ability to have a, a specific God uh, with a name and everything, blah, blah, blah in your world. Uh, but also keeping it general and not tying yourself to a very recognizable figure because who knows, you may learn something later about like how this mm-hmm. God is actually worshiped and what they actually represent. And you may realize, Oh, you know, ne- never mind. I, am I, I mentioned in my my odd fact the Iron Man. That that's something my wife and I have thought about, like tattoos. To get the Iron Man tattoo, and more for ourselves and to, to show off, just as a, a thing to remind ourselves of what we were able to do. But then I had the thought, you know, this day and age, what if we find out they've been embezzling money for charity or something? Let's not tie ourselves to something like that. And yeah, with if you're dipping into mythologies and things, I mean, yeah. Thor is a really popular, fun god, but the Viking raiders aren't exactly people you want to emulate. So maybe not tie yourself to that. Give yourself some mm. escape paths with your mythology. Or, I mean, yeah. if you if you are tying yourself to a mythology like that, are you doing it with a critical eye? Yeah. To some extent, where you know they are fitting a they they are serving a specific purpose in your narrative that is not necessarily something to emulate toward. Exactly, exactly. I would say, in general, if you're using a real-world religion um, in your game, because you just want to take straight from from reality, um, if it's not something that you are well-versed in, please be Mm. careful and considerate Mm. on how you're kind Mm -hmm. of using that religion. Um, Please do your research, um, you know, and just treat it with some care and not kind of just stereotype. um, Even if it's something that we look at as oh this is mythology of ancient cultures there are some religions that still pull from those pantheons and yeah. it's best to be respectful of that yeah yeah it, it can totally Many of these are good living too. faiths oh totally yeah living yeah. faiths i like that i like that term mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it can totally come from a good place like you might want to say like oh well this this sort of culture doesn't really get highlighted in this medium and i'd love to i'd love to to, to give them a space yeah but you Gotta do them justice and also make right. sure yeah. is someone else from that actual culture trying to give them space too and you're getting in the way. So mm-hmm. you always gotta be asking mm-hmm. yourself these questions. <laughs> That's a big one. Um yeah. when you're trying to give like a certain faith or a certain culture representation in your world because you just think it's neat. That's not a bad impulse. However, the the unfortunate thing about that is that if you pull from, let's say, Zoroastrianism, and you decide that that's what you want to draw inspiration from, your understanding of Zoroastrianism is not going to match up with the mm. common understanding of that of people who practice that faith. Right. It, you mm-hmm. don't have the same level of exposure necessarily, and it becomes a situation where I think that the best way to do that is for a player who is Zoroastrian, for a player who is Muslim, for a player who is whatever faith group to be allowed to bring that into their game, to allow mm-hmm. to be allowed to incorporate elements of it into the world. Um, there's just a little bit of a different level of understanding and right. exposure. Um, and, you know, things can crop up where you would least expect them that may be problematic. Right. They might yeah. not, but there's a non-zero chance that they will. And if they do, you won't recognize them. Yeah. So just it's one of those things where there's a risk there. 
be very critical in how you choose to apply these things to your world. Yeah. And I would say, you know, on the bright side, there there is a way to do it. There is a way to do it and have the effect you're hoping for. I think famously Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, white dude, you know, cishet white dude from America. Uh, but he did a lot of research in wanting to represent many cultures in his book. And I think as much as there are, there, I'm sure there are critics out there of how he's represented certain things, I think it is far outweighed by the amount of people I've seen being super happy when they recognize something in his book and saying, yes, this is, this is from my culture and he's done it correctly and he's done it in a positive way. And this is what we wish people would see these characters as. So there is a way mm -hmm. to do it. There is, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but as Abraham said, responsibility people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, you do I not like want to be the first one to bring something to like pub the public perception and mm. have it be something that you are not an expert in. Yes. You don't yeah. want to be people's first time experiencing that culture. Yeah. So there's a, sure. there's a little bit of nuance of difference when you're talking home game versus something that's putting out into the public. You still, for a home game, home game do want to be respectful and careful, um, but it, it brings it to a whole further level of scrutiny if you're doing something that's in the public eye. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, and also, like on the Wheel of Time, um, I was just thinking, oh, so, oh yeah, I've read the first two books, and oh. then realized how many there were, and I was like, oh Lord, have mercy, oh, that's daunting. Going. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I probably it's been a while, so I have to go back and read them now. But um, uh, I was just thinking about how when I was first doing my uh, setting up my homebrew world and looking at whether I'd have religion in it at all, and then realizing actually if there are clerics and paladins that want to play in this world, there'd have to be something at least kind of like the bare bones of something that they can kind of um, use for inspiration if they don't want to come up with their own. Um, and I, I just looked at all the pantheons and how complex they can be, how complex their relationships can be, how intricate things are with the world versus them and their history and that kind of whole mythos that, you know, the kind of creation story and things like that. Um, and I nearly just died of fright just kind of thinking about it so in the end I just did a really loose sort of I know it's really cliche but the light and the dark sort of mm -hmm. the day and the night the sun and the moon and sort of just keeping it really really kind of like basic and like those kind of like that creation story kind of then can give birth to other things that are influenced right. by that later but that was just like the core the you know clerics worship the sun and the light and you know all that kind of like really kind of cliche thing uh, and then you had the kind of underworld in the dark um sort of like really reveling in the dark but neither was good or bad they just that's what they celebrated yeah. and enjoyed um and it was very fun each one thinking the other is bad and all of that causing issue uh so my i suppose my thing would be don't overcomplicate it if you don't have to. Right. <laughs> if you like me. You can always evolve it as you go or evolve Absolutely. it with the help of your players, so on and so forth. Though I, I have an interesting idea, maybe a little bit controversial. Again, most of my experiences with Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, so I can almost confidently speak to that system and the way that their uh, classes work. But if, if I'm not mistaken, paladins no longer necessarily have to have a god they're connected with. Yeah. yeah. But controversial idea, does your cleric necessarily need to have a god they're attached to? Mm. Or is it just a trait? You know, um, 
obviously you, you have to figure out if you're in fifth edition if you're a light cleric a war cleric a trickster cleric what have you mm-hmm. but maybe you don't know the god your character is connected to um again to reference critical role when they started out fresh cut grass in season in campaign three doesn't actually have a god even though they're a cleric and still has and, the powers yeah uh, and know still has the powers from. and there's been narrative that's been slowly but surely tying them to a god but it's not necessarily it has yet to be seen if that was always their god always the source of their powers um you, there is room to be creative and redefine these concepts for ourselves in our games. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily need to know the source, the specific source of source of your character of your cleric's uh, powers. I'm sure with other games, there may be more defined that you actually need this, but at least to some extent, think about like do, how much do we really need to tie this together can mm-hmm. we just sort of have fun with it see if it can manifest as we're playing or maybe it never comes up maybe you yeah. you have a, a a light cleric or a life cleric or a war cleric what have you and it never actually comes up where the source of their powers is this is just the powers they have and you never get into that and that's fine yeah, yeah. And, and understanding why some of these changes might have been made. I mean, I think with Paladins, it's kind of an easy like, hey, maybe we should move away from the idea of the holy warrior as in real life, historically, that hasn't really yeah. played out well for people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do I do love that idea of, of detaching it from a specific worship of a god because there's that inherent idea that, oh, I worship this god and I get my powers from this god and therefore... I am right versus I get my powers from this idea, from this theme, from this primordial sense. Then again, I mean, you could do it the other way too. It's totally uh, up to y'all, you know, at home, at your home games, be, be conscientious of questions that Hmm. will arise in your systems. I I think it's funny too, that we've all talked like this whole time about using mythologies and gods and religions in our, we haven't even mentioned actual religions yet, but in our games and with the entire satanic panic of the eighties oh my gosh, in, yeah. in revolving around yeah. D&D, we haven't even mentioned like, this has nothing to do with, with what any of us personally believe. Right. This is just yeah, for the game. Point. So <laughs> boomers chill out on that stuff. Okay. Like we're not, right. we're not burning in hellfire for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fiction is a thing, and you can yeah. have fun with it. Fantasy, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. It's funny, actually. You were saying about kind of paladins not necessarily needing a god. Um, it reminded me of a friend of mine who wanted to do a paladin around um, their oath was basically good grammar and etiquette, <laughs> and so like they were determined with like a ferocity that people should act with the correct etiquette and speak in the correct manner. Um, and it was very, very fun. It was great. Uh, I love it. Uh, if, my grand- <laughs> if my grandmother is listening, Tia, you would be a paladin. A grammar paladin. A grammar paladin. That's great. All right. Uh, so while we're on the topic of gods, I feel like we would be remiss to uh, not discuss some of the very cool stuff that is going on with gods specifically pointing towards uh exquisite corpse represents on twitch uh exquisite i believe let me just double check yeah exquisite corpse ttrpg on twitter uh 
But their ongoing series, Divine Intervention, has all of their players playing as gods. Ooh, I love that. Nice. Um, and it is delightful. We've got Chronos. Some of these are like pulling from real... It, it, speaking to everything we've been talking about, some of these are pulling from a little bit of real world um, sensibilities with Kronos. We've also got Eindride, Cardinal Rose, Erasabeth, Listomania. The, some of these are created. And we have these uh, very interesting kind of like high politics and drama and uh, sort of like a cloak and dagger interactions between these incredibly powerful deities in this world. And I love it. It's so messy. It's great. <laughs> They're doing a really cool thing where they have side A and side B. So they have like uh, shows going on opposing weeks with Ooh. different mm -hmm. gods on the cast. Oh, wow. Oh, I like that. With different idea. GMs as well. And I love it. It's so cool. Um, that's fun. So and what's what's the name of it again? This is, is Exquisite Corpse TTRPG. Exquisite Corpse represents on Twitch, uh, nice. and they do streams. I believe, yeah, they're still on the Monday schedule. So every Monday there will be a stream, but whether you're side A or side B, uh, depends on just which Monday in the month it is, and it's lovely. Um, special shout outs to uh, Scary Dog Friend Josephine love of my life amazing <laughs> um just oh, god i i'm just such a big fan awesome. amazing yeah, i love have to give it that a that a, a look over i am now following them on twitch <laughs> yes <laughs> works fast amazing <laughs> they're so cool um, so i that's my shout out corner ibrahim <laughs> shout out corner but i had a um you know, questions for yourself when you're building up your mythologies uh, or your cosmologies. Um, and by the way, th this whole time when we say, when we use the term mythologies, we're, we're, we're not in any way trying to minimize anyone's real world belief or living faith, as Ibrahim put it earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, these are just terms we're familiar with. So uh, apologies uh, afterwards. <laughs> um, but, you know, things you can consider is how, how, do your, how does your system of gods or uh, belief systems affect the history of your world? Yes. Uh, the organized religion, because that's a whole nother topic that maybe we can yeah. dive into. Like, how do people uh, present this to the world? And close to that is how are governments affected by this? Are there mm. theocracies in your world? Mm -hmm. And also, especially from the Greek mythology side, how is the actual geography shaped by the gods? You know, you mm. have Poseidon causing storms all over the place. Does that affect right. coastlines? So these are all things you can consider. Um, do y'all have fun examples of that, that you've, you've come across? Well, it also occurs to me uh, of like, how, how do the goings on of your gods affect the history of the world mm -hmm. um like the the greek example that i can think of is like every town has a connection to zeus so the reason right. the reason why Ju zeus is portrayed as being so promiscuous is because everyone wanted a connection to zeus our <laughs> <laughs> king was his son yeah exactly right and Poor so zeus. that translates into <laughs> zeus having a reputation for being promiscuous um, and, and how can you marry that concept of like, here's the, the more grounded anthropological justification. Mm -hmm. How do you 
mesh that into a world where these gods definitively do exist and it's not a justification like this is but this is how they are and so you know do you have a god that went around to every town maybe not in a promiscuous sense but like that did miracles in every town and so everyone has a story a legend about this is what the god did for our town um and things like that how do you affect the history of the world not just in terms of creation but years past that what has the imprint of the gods been that's a very good idea so uh i like the idea of a traveling person doing things or just like someone doing something and then this like literally like playing telephone like the the rumor gets stranger and wilder and wilder every time it gets passed along and it's just a normal person having done something really innocuous and all of a sudden it's like the bread and loaves situation where they fed like five thousand people (laughs) from like one loaf of bread um or like there was a tsunami and because they stamped their feet or something insane when it was just literally like I don't know, they spilt a bucket of water. Um, (laughs) And I just, I, yeah, I love the idea of that where like gods are born from something really inane and innocuous, but people have just run away with their imaginations. Yeah. Like, do you know how I became the god of the harvest? (laughs) I I dropped a donut once. Like, (laughs) (laughs) literally, yeah. That's that's the one thing I love about if you do have a world where somehow your players get to meet the gods because there's so much opportunity for humor yeah 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 mm-hmm. it's just the divine comedy of it all yes <laughs> i when we talked about how your gods can affect history and i thought i'd give a fun example in real world um like how history can explain the mythology and the mythology can explain history i took two courses in college on greek mythology and one of my favorite takeaways was the idea of the trojan war being when you tie it to mythology, it being like Zeus's way of orchestrating a way to get rid of all the demigods. Like we've got Hercules and Perseus and Theseus starting to off some of the gods. Like Mm -hmm. this has become a problem. How can I get rid of all of them? And it's a way of people explaining this, this to them, their first like world war, this incredible event. How do we explain something like this happening? Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny, I just had this kind of moment with some kids in a campaign explaining to them that in the world we play in that I created, there was a global war. And as we did a quick little history lesson, because one of them really loved studying World War One and Two, and as they did it, the other kid was going, oh, I wonder if that could be because the gods did this and the gods did I this. I love that. And they went on a tangent for like 30 minutes. And I love it. It's, and, it's and amazing. Then, and then Nick's in the corner taking notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm like, oh, I'm ripping all of this off, y'all. And what's yeah. great is like, this is a completely different group than the one who came up with their own religion in game to make money. And I'm like, there's something with kids <laughs> these days. You guys, <laughs> you guys are getting started early. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yep. Side hustle. <laughs> Religion as a side hustle. Gen Z is coming for us, y'all. <laughs> I've got a question to end out if people want to yeah. um, end sure. out. Um, if you were the god of anything, what would it be? Oh. oh. Yeah. Oof. I have to think of this as well. So give This me a is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the most... The easiest answer for me is cats. 
I love it. I'm, Good answer. I've just been so obsessed with my cats lately because uh, I, I have a new kitten. Um, unfortunately, we lost a cat earlier this year, but we yeah. have a new kitten. So I now have two cats and they're both very clingy. And uh, for anyone who is Facebook friends with me, literally every day I post like five plus photos or videos of my cats usually climbing all over me and just totally being in my like in my space because of course they want food and or attention and they are very clingy in the best way uh so i i feel like i have to give the answer of cats that's good that's very good <laughs> oh i'm still that's thinking damn good man answer. this is a good question i think for me while you two are thinking um i i was thinking about i was like oh I, you know, what do I really like? What do I really revel in and enjoy that I could kind of like pass on to others? Um, and I was thinking about naps. And I was like, no, I don't think I'd be the god of naps because I can't actually nap during the day. I find it really hard. But, but I think I'd be the god of daydreams. Ooh. So not necessarily like dreaming like Sandman, but daydreams. So that moment where you're staring out a window and kind of to start disassociating. That's me coming along with my, with my, fairy dust <laughs> I love that. it's like yeah you just got a visit from me my friend i um, love, I love emily in a life of brian type story <laughs> like the brother to morpheus <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. yep, that'd be me no you morpheus did, it's, it's morning it's my time <laughs> yeah while they're Get awake it belongs to me okay <laughs> yeah i love that that's amazing i think I would try to be, I think I'd want to be like the god of little joys, like really oh. small joys. That. So that would be like, if you like, if you have that little panic where you're like, I, I don't know where my keys are. And then the first pocket you touch, they're there. Oh, that would be that a relief. thing that I would be in yeah, charge of. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Oh man, I that's a good that. one. Yeah. Oh, I, uh... I, I'm, I'm stealing all of these for my own cosmology of like creating a homebrew. I love mm -hmm. gods of little things, like as well, like like the god of lost things. I think would be a really oh, cool yes. one to be. That's that's a cool concept. Divine yeah. intervention has both the uh, exquisite. Uh, Divine intervention is the name of the show. Divine intervention has both a god of the lost and god of the found on the same mm. stream days. That's cool. and I love it. That's really cool. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to think of um, uh, it, this is probably one of those things like where the English language doesn't have a good word for it, but then in German it's like one word that encapsulates an entire idea. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the 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 god, I, I think I would represent the the idea of hopeful haplessness like <laughs> the, the constant <laughs> having of bad luck but the belief that ah, next time next time it's fine oh that's it feels the, like the, such a german concept the, the, the god of bouncing back that's what i yeah. think i would be yeah, bouncing back true. into the next chasm <laughs> yeah yeah Love never that. giving up <laughs> yeah, yeah never giving up but still knowing <laughs> failures around the corner <laughs> mm. um, it's literally like uh the god of the the meme with the dog with the fire like this is fine that's that's, um. it. that's the idea <laughs> that the god of this is fine <laughs> oh that was god a great question god of recovery okay i like that i like that god yes. of recovery god of recovery 
you're all you're all desperately trying to save me from this hole I've dug myself into. No, I think you're not great. <laughs> no, 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 no. Concept, but you're right. It is difficult to put into words. Yeah. So as, when we get our when we finally get our international audience, someone will someone will come yeah, up. Yeah. Any this. German listeners? Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you've got any words for this? And also, I feel like Arabic listeners as well. There's probably like Arabic has words for everything. They have like right. ten words for just sword. Um, so I feel like there's probably something somewhere about that in Arabic. <laughs> old, old old languages we'll especially it. are going to have something. Yeah, You've been around long sure. enough. You come up with words for things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I, think- I think that's that's a great thing to close on. <laughs> You've been around long enough. You come yeah. up with words for things. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And as as has been kind of the theme for us lately is this is obviously a topic with such depth to it that we will come back to and hit on and it's been such a joy talking uh cosmology with y'all so uh once again i am nick uh you can find me on instagram as bearded plaisance that's p-l-a-i-s-a-n-c-e uh and on tiktok on the delightful dungeon diving account also now on hive social network as delightful dungeon diving (sighs) i'm gonna throw it to whoever's going next I'll be. I'll I'll go. Um, I'm Hannah. You can most commonly find me on TikTok at critical underscore stitch, uh, and my link tree can be found there for other socials on the internet. Uh, my name is Ibrahim. You can find me everywhere on the internet that matters under cosmic underscore Ebe. Uh, that is cosmic underscore I B E. Um. We are going to be wrapping up a couple of uh, series over on Prayers in the Static. Uh, We've got both uh, Prayers in the Static Eurydice, uh, which should be wrapping December... I'm not going to give a date. uh, Which should be wrapping relatively soon. And uh, then we are going to have our season break for the holiday season. And we'll be back with, uh, actually, uh, hopefully, some really exciting projects, uh, including a more long-running series and maybe something in that there, uh, that there cyborg by the creators of Morkborg. Uh, stay tuned for that. And I am Emily Graymore. It's been a pleasure. You can find me on TikTok, which is Emily Graymore, all one word with a lovely little E on the end, just to confuse everybody. I've got my link tree linked in my bio on there, which has got all of my projects on uh, and my other podcast as well, which is Unbalanced Encounters. And for the winter break, we'll be doing a couple of one shots, uh, which you can see us have some fun with some all sorts of crazy characters um, and potentially some horror as well, which would be quite exciting. So come over and see. Bye, y'all. Bye. So I'm I'm fucking up for everyone here so no one else has to. <laughs> <laughs>